Uh, we have been in this series about covenants, and today we are going to be talking about a better covenant. And now you may be thinking, well, Megan, we're dealing with God, and God is perfect, and he gave us these covenants. And so how, if he gave it to us, how can there be a better covenant, right? Well, we're going to get into that. But first, I want to ask you a question that I want to marinate within you as we have this discussion today. And that question is, has there ever been anything in your life that was the lesser option? Let me propose it to you this way. Have you chosen anything in your life that wasn't the best? I'll give you an example. Um, For those of you that have had any type of interaction with children, you may have partake in this thing called a kid's birthday party. And when I became a mom, you know, they talk about like no sugar and, you know, giving your kids broccoli and stuff. But a long time ago, I made the decision that when we enter the kid birthday party world, as soon as we cross that threshold of the door, the answer is yes. So you want soda? Yes. You want juice boxes? Okay. Candy? Sure. Chips? You got it. Birthday cake and ice cream? Eat your heart out. Because it just makes my life easier as a mom. And it makes their life easier because, honestly, the crash when we get home is much better than having to deal with their attitude, right? (laughs) Hashtag real talk. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, we were at a friend's daughter's birthday party. And so we go through, and our kids are enjoying themselves. They're just having fun. And we have three kids, so Rocco and Zia are absolutely insane. If you've ever seen them, they just go crazy wherever they're at. And so they're having a good time. And then we have little Vinny. And Vinny is 18 months old, and he's an independent spirit. He just loves to kind of wander and do his own thing. And as long as you don't get in his way, he's happy. He's totally fine, right? And the kid loves to eat. He's built like a tank. Like, when you lift him up, you're like, oh, my gosh. He weighs as much as his big sister. He's just solid. And the thing that he absolutely loves to eat the most is dirt. Uh, He likes sticks and rocks, too, but dirt is his favorite. And every day he is in dirt. He will find dirt, and he will eat it, and so much so that his mouth is just full of it. Uh, Vin and I are very surprised that he hasn't chipped a tooth (laughs) or choked on a rock because we just constantly find dirt and rocks and sticks in his mouth. And so he found a lovely patch of dirt in our friend's newly redone backyard and was just eating dirt despite me trying to get him to eat a cheeseburger. He did not want anything to do with the cheeseburger. And so I said, I have an idea. Let me see if he'll eat some birthday cake, right? Because who doesn't love birthday cake? And so I get some birthday cake, and I try to give it to him. And this kid is choosing the dirt over the birthday cake. Like, what's wrong with you? 
And so I have this plate of mangled up food that I've been trying to give to him. And he decides, okay, I'm going to try what you have. And so he grabs the bland hamburger bun and shoves it in his mouth and runs away. And my question to you is, are you eating dirt and bland hamburger buns when God has a feast of a table before you? Let that sit as we talk today, all right? Okay, so as we get into talking about covenant, I'm going to give you some historical um, information. They're going to cover some of the things that we've talked about because it's all going to tie in at the end, I promise. Okay, so just buckle your seatbelts. I'm going to go a little fast. Go ahead and pull out your phones or your favorite device that has the Bible app on it. And if you brought your Bible today, go ahead and open it because the verses are not going to be on the screen. Okay? How many of you bring your Bibles still? Your, your hard copies of the Bibles? Awesome. I love to study out of my Bible. I'm just using my phone because for the sake of time for me to search it faster. So, But we love that you're bringing your Bibles and keep doing that. All right? Okay. Are your seatbelts buckled? Are you ready? Okay. We are going to start in the beginning because that's always a good place to start, right? Okay, so go ahead and open your Bibles or your Bible app to Genesis 2. I'm going to give you a little bit of context of what's happening here. So this is before the fall, and this is actually before Eve is on the picture. So it's just God and Adam right now, okay? And so we are going to start in verse 16. And um, the reason I'm giving you the context is, is because when you're studying God's word, church, please make sure that you take in the whole entirety of the context, okay? We don't want to just look at one verse. We don't want to just look at one word or anything like that. We need to take it into the context of the chapter, the themes that are being said, and then in the context of God's character and the whole Bible in its entirety, Okay? All right, Genesis 2, starting in verse 16. Then God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Sorry, that was 15. Now we're in 16. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. And so we have this conditional covenant, right? So we have this thing where God says, hey, Adam, you're here in this awesome garden that I created. And I want you to take care of it. And you get to eat whatever you want. You know, there's like a strawberry patch over here. You got some mangoes. If you love zucchini and broccoli like I do, that's over there. Whatever it is that you want, it's here. You just can't have anything from that tree. Don't even touch it. Okay? So if you do this, if you don't touch that tree, I will walk with you in the cool of the day. I will be in fellowship with you, and you will be in this awesome garden for all eternity. All right? Sounds like a pretty good deal. But what happened? <laughs> we ate from the tree. <laughs> I promise it's not a trick question. <laughs> all right? And so... That conditional covenant did not work 
right? It, we did not meet our end of the bargain. We totally failed, okay? And so because of that failure, a transaction takes place because something had to die to cover our sin. And that's where blood gets involved in the transaction of forgiveness. Okay, so it started back in the garden. All right, we're going to hang out in Genesis some more, and we're going to talk about Noah, right? And so from Adam to Noah, things went downhill pretty quickly, right? And it gets to the point where God says, I'm really sad that I made any of this, and I'm going to get rid of it. But Noah found favor in the eyes of God, right? And so he says, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to establish a covenant with you. So when we get to Genesis 9, we find Noah. He has been um, on the ark for over a year because we talked about how when the flood came, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but it took a long time for the water to get to the point where the ark got stationed on a mountain, right? And so they had been on this boat for a year with a bunch of animals. I can't imagine the smell. I would be so excited to get off, <laughs> right? And so they've gotten off of the ark, and the context of this is that God is telling Noah, here's the parameters of how things are going to be once you're off the ark, because there aren't crops, there aren't people who have maintained fields of food. There aren't gardens. It's just them and the animals now on the earth. And so God's saying, okay, here's where I'm going to give you permission to eat meat, and here's how my parameters to do so. And then he goes into, I'm also going to establish this covenant with you. And we are going to start in verse 9. And so it says, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, and all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. And so this is an unconditional covenant. God is making a promise. I'm not going to destroy everything again by flood. And we talked about in covenant, the rest of the verses from 12 to 17 talk about a sign. When we're dealing with covenant, there's usually a sign to represent the promise that was made. And so what was the promise? What was that sign? A rainbow, right? Now, here's the cool thing. We are all descendants of Noah. And we still get to see that sign every time it rains. You are seeing the actual manifestation of that sign every time you see a rainbow of God's unconditional promise to you and to Noah. Isn't that cool? Like, this is from back in Genesis, guys. And you're seeing it today in 2017. That's really awesome. All right, so Noah's story doesn't end too well, right? Uh, the counselor in me thinks that maybe he had a little bit of PTSD, something like that, right? And we find that he had a little bit of a substance use problem, and the creation just kind of goes downhill from there, right? 
And so we get to Abraham, and the span of time between Noah and Abraham is about 400 years. And we've talked a lot about Abraham when we talk about covenant, but I just want to focus on a couple of historical facts. Abram was, it tells us, when we're introduced to Abram, we meet him with his father in Genesis 11. And they are actually en route to the land of Canaan. But they end up stopping and settling in a land called Haran. And let me tell you a little bit about Haran and Ur of the Chaldeans, which is where they came from, because you may be able to relate to what's happening. When we meet Abram, he is, it's after the Tower of Babel incident. So imagine you, like, talking with people, and you're like, hey, do you like Americanos? Because I really like Americanos, and what's your favorite flavoring? And then all of a sudden, you're speaking Mandarin, and they're speaking Spanish. And you're like, uh, what just happened? Right? And so there's this gigantic migration happening because people are moving all over the earth to find the people that they are going to connect with, right? I got to find the people that speak Mandarin because I need my Americano. Like, it's really important that I have this coffee, right? So I'm going to go and I'm going to be with those people. And so Ur of the Chaldeans and Haran, these two cities, were hubs filled with transient people. And these two cities also, also worshipped a moon god that was named Suin, also pronounced Sin. So how many of you have lived in a city full of transient people that worship Sin? Anybody here? <laughs> All of your hands should be raised right now. <laughs> okay? And so this is Abram. Right? And he's stuck in this world of transient people and worshiping sin and idol worship. This is where he started. And we see that at the end of Genesis 11, it says that Terah, his father, died. And then the first verse of chapter 12, when we're introduced to the covenant that he has with God, says, Then God called Abram and said, Go to the land of Canaan. Leave everything that your father's house and all that stuff had. Leave it. And so, church, what has to die for you to hear God's call to enter into covenant? And so, from Abram, we're led into Moses. And we finally get out of the book of Genesis. Woo! Right? <laughs> Um, and we are now in Exodus, and we have this relationship between God and Moses, and this is after the Israelites have been freed miraculously from slavery by God. They are in the wilderness. They are at Mount Sinai, and God calls Moses up, and this is where God gives Moses the law. Now, why is the law important? Because remember way back in the garden when we messed it up? God's saying, if you want to go back to that, if you want to go back to the garden where I walk with you in the cool of the day and we have face-to-face conversations and we have a relationship together, this is your end of the bargain. This is the conditional covenant I am entering into, into with you. Here's the law and here's what you got to do to have it. So it's a, if you do this, then I will do that. 
kind of deal. Okay, so that's what the law represents. And we see that through Israel's entire timeline, right? When they're doing awesome with God, they are getting all of the rewards. They receive the blessing. They have God's favor. They are taken care of. They are provided for. And then when they decide that, oh, sorry, we know what we're doing, and we're going to go over here, and we'll come back to you when we're ready. Peace out, God. Things don't go so well, right? And so you see that. And so where are you at in your walk with God? Are you in the, I'm going to do well, and I'm going to be in covenant, and I'm going to follow this, and I'm going to walk with you, Jesus? Or are you in the, I'll come to you when I'm ready, I'm going to go live my life the way I want? It's something to think about. And finally, we get to David. And we get the covenant of David in uh, 2 Samuel 7. And I just want to encourage you that um, this is a really beautiful chapter um, to read of just a really sweet interaction with God. And so what's happening here is David's on the throne. Everything's been said and done. He is able to, you know, reap the benefits of God's promises, and this is where he's at. And David was a worshiper. He had a heart for just serving God and wanting to worship him. And I believe that his heart was genuine because he wanted to build the temple. He was like, I'm on the throne. Things are at peace. I have the ability. I want to build a temple for God so that we can worship him. And God says, no. How many of you have wanted to do something for Jesus, but he said no? Right? And so he says, you, David, are a warrior, you are not to build my temple. That's going to be for somebody else, and it ended up being for Solomon, his son. And, but God says, here's what I am going to do. Instead of you building me a house, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to make sure that your throne lasts forever. I'm going to make your name great, and it's going to be this wonderful promise that I keep for you, and it's going to extend to your descendants. And then David responds in a really beautiful worship session towards God. And so I encourage you, if you struggle with worship, if you're, when we're singing and praising up here and you're like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing, I don't know what I'm supposed to be thinking, read the end of 2 Samuel 7 and see how David worshiped the Lord and let that be an inspiration to you in your relationship with God and your worship of him. Okay? All right, we are done with the history. Are you all still with me? Okay. So why do you need to know all of this, right? Well, because it's all going to tie in in just a few minutes because we have to lay the foundation. And so after David, we get into kind of all of this stuff that Israel's going through, and they end up going into captivity and before they go into captivity, there is a prophet by the name of Jeremiah who says a lot of things to the nation of Israel. And one of the things that Jeremiah says, because God told him to, is found in Jeremiah 31. And this is the promise that we have that there is a change coming. There's change in the winds, right? And so it says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel 
and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, although I was a husband to them. And so we talked about Moses, right, and the Israelites coming out, and they received the covenant of the law, and the Israelites weren't too good at keeping that law. And that's what God's saying. I held my end of the bargain up. I was a husband to them, but they didn't do such a good job of keeping their end of the bargain. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart. I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Okay? And so God is saying through Jeremiah, there's a time coming. There's a time coming where you're going to be forgiven for your sins, and I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to handle it. It's coming. And so Israel's waiting and waiting. And then somebody arrives on the scene, and that person is Jesus. And so why is this important? How does this connect? How does Old Testament connect to New Testament? Well, this is how it connects. Jesus was born of a virgin, and then that made him sinless, right? And so he then led a sinless life, right? And then what happened? a really easy question like a really easy question <laughs> he died on the cross yay <laughs> all right not that we're excited about that but I'm glad somebody got the answer um, he died on the cross and so I wanted to have that discussion about all of these different covenants because we learned about the ritual of covenant, and there was one thing that all of those covenants that God made with all of those patriarchs in the Old Testament that didn't happen. And it was the mixing of blood. Because God is holy, he is perfect, and he cannot be in the presence of sin. Because he is God and he created everything and he makes the rules. That's just the way it is. And so we have for the first time on the timeline where you have Jesus who is fully God and fully man. And my mind will never be able to comprehend that this side of the cross. So if you're struggling with that, it's okay because our minds are finite and God is infinite, right? But he was fully God and he was fully man. And Jesus told us, he said, and likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. He told us that his blood would be poured out. So much so that when they pierced his side, when he had given up his spirit, what came out? Blood, but mostly water, right? And so, because everything had been poured out. And you have the mixing of blood happening because he's fully God and fully man. And that sealed it. 
because you have Jesus who fulfilled that conditional covenant that he made with Moses. He fulfilled the law, and now it's unconditional, and it gets to extend to all of you because of it. If we go back to our verse in Jeremiah, there's this little time. Is there a laser on here? I think there's a, there is a laser on here. Let's see this word right here. What's that word? All. And that word in the Hebrew means totality. So God was saying that all know me. And that happens through Jesus. And so where are you, church? Are you tired of eating dirt? Are you tired of eating bland hamburger buns? Most of you, or some of you know that I'm a substance abuse counselor, and so I do a lot of work in the jails. And do you know what everybody tells me when I sit down with them and I say, what's different? Why do you want to make a change? They say, I'm tired. I'm tired of this life. Are you tired? Are you trying to earn your salvation? Are you burnt out on religion because you're exhausted by trying to uphold all the rules? I can promise you that you are not the Savior. I can promise you that it's already been done for you. The law's already been fulfilled for you. And so Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And this last part is absolutely beautiful to me because it says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And so because of Jesus, he, God was able to uphold both ends. He said, here's my end, and here's the end of the law, and I upheld both of them for you. And so you just have to come to me. You know, my son, Vinny, who loves to eat dirt, I could have very well have held him down. There will be a day where I probably will not be able to hold him down, but he's 18 months, so I can still do that. And I could have held him down, and I could have pushed his chubby cheeks open, and I could have shoved a cake into his mouth, but he wouldn't have enjoyed it. And I wouldn't have enjoyed it even though I wanted him to experience the blessing. But because of the relationship that I have with my son, he finally came to me and ate some cake. And that's a really simple explanation, but the same is true for you, is that Jesus wants you to come to him. And he wants you to experience the blessings that are going to flow down because of what he did on the cross for you. And so if everybody could just close their eyes, take in a couple deep breaths, and I'm just going to pray. 
And I just want to pray for us as a church family. Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just continue to reveal to us the relationship that you desire. I pray, Lord, that your love would pour out and that you would be able to open up our eyes, that we would have a Damascus Road moment, Lord, that scales would fall off and we would be able to see. And Father, I just pray that right now for anybody who's sitting in these chairs, Lord, that, Lord, if you are moving, that Holy Spirit, you would come in this room like a flood and that you would continue to flow and that you would continue to move. And I just pray, Lord, that for anybody here, if you're feeling a little bit antsy or uneasy in your seat, if your heart is racing, if your mind is racing, if your breath is picking up, if your skin's feeling a little bit tingly, that very well may be a physical manifestation of something happening in the physical realm for you or spiritual realm for you. And so, Lord, I pray that if you are moving in the hearts here, Father God, that you would give them the boldness and the courage to be able to raise their hands and say, yes, Lord, I want to enter into that covenant with you. I acknowledge that I'm tired that I'm worn out, that I'm burnt out on religion, and that I need you. And if that sounds like it's the cry of your heart, if that sounds like it's the cry of your mind, I just pray that you would raise your hand right now. And the only reason we ask for that is so that we can love on you, we can pray with you, and we can encourage you as you begin this life, entering into covenant with Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing, for moving in hearts and minds and in lives, Father God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have a video that I would like for you to watch, and if we could have our mighty prayer warriors come up.